Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. I think that the Republican Party is poised to take back both the House and the Senate in the midterm elections. Now, that doesn't mean we can sit back and expect it to happen without any action, without voting. We've got to vote like our lives depend upon it. But if we do that, I, I, ju- I just see us taking back both. I, I see this being one of the, the biggest uh, electoral wins in terms of uh, Congress that Republicans uh, will will experience, gosh, in, in modern American history. And forget the polls for a second. I'll get into CNN. They're worried about the great black flight, you know, great, you know, the, the black rebellion, right, leaving their plantations. But, you know, forget the polls for a second. The delusion on display from the left is the surest indication based on recent memory history that tells me that the the Democrats, they're going to reap what they've sowed in the midterms. Now, Pelosi, uh, she was on the late night snore with Stephen Colbert. And, you know, she's 82 years old, by the way. She's older than Joe Biden. It's hard to tell. You can't really figure out an age for her because of all the plastic surgery, you know, the caterpillar eyebrows crawling off of her her face depending on, uh, you know, the, the, the success or failure of her most recent plastic surgery. But, uh, you know, this is a woman, Pelosi, who also needs to take a cognitive exam. Although, you know, I think that at this point, Pretty much anybody in the Democratic Party today, any of the politicians, uh, I mean, we, we see it with our own eyes. You know, a cognitive exam uh, will only tell us what we already know, that they are bat crap crazy. But Pelosi was on the late night snore and she told Stephen Colbert that Democrats are going to sweep midterms. That's right. She, she says they're going to hold the House. Now, the House isn't even hasn't even been debatable, right? The, the real... The only real debate or curiosity is whether or not the Republicans can take back the Senate. That's that's a harder task. But the House, we know we're taking back the House. The only question is, how many seats do we gain, right? What's the majority going to look like in the House? But, but the idea that the Democrats are somehow going to hold on to the House, I mean, that's just fantasy land. But that's what Pelosi's saying. Democrats are going to sweep the midterms and they're going to hold the House. Now, this this is like circa 2016 when we were told by the left, I mean, just forget about it. You might as well not even show up and vote Republicans because there's no chance Trump wins. Hillary Clinton has this in the bag. Uh, We might as well just go ahead and have the inauguration without an election because there's no chance Trump can win. And then, of course, he shocked the left who believed their own lies. But they, they live in fantasy land. But anyway, so that's what she was saying. And here, she, What is it about these Democrats, by the way? Do they all have the same speech coach now? I mean, you listen to Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, you name it. And, I mean, they string a bunch of words together, some sentences, but none of it makes any sense. It's just, just a bunch of gobbledygook that, that really means nothing, says nothing. Here's what, here's what she said. You know, think of Kamala Harris. Think of Joe Biden. This is, this is Nancy Pelosi on the late night snore. We will hold the House by winning more seats. We won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some on the Trump districts, but we held enough seats to hold the House with him on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. I, I beg your pardon, Nancy. Can, can, you, can, you, can you translate? We will hold the House by winning more seats. We won the 40 seats. Then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some on the Trump districts, but we'd held enough seats to hold the House with them on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. What? Excuse me, Nancy. I don't understand. But you see what I mean? They all sound the same. I, I think it's because they're just... 
look, if, if you live in fantasy land, if you are so detached from reality as these Democrats are, I mean, what option do you have but to just spew out a bunch of lines as fast as possible and hope that nobody asks you any follow-up questions? So anyway, she can't make a point. They can't make sense. They just string these words together that equate to nothing. But you know what Nancy Pelosi's really big mistake? I mean, on the left, like, you can't do this. This is a, I don't know if it's written or not. We'll call it an unwritten rule. But you are not permitted to say Donald Trump's name if you're a Democrat, if you're in the Democratic Party, right? They want to treat Trump like they want to treat whites in America. They want to just erase us, pretend we don't exist. So this was her mistake. She said Trump's name in the interview. She mentioned Trump's name, right? I just said the gobbledygook. We won the 40 seats, then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some on the Trump districts. She said his name twice. Not supposed to do that, Nancy. And so after she mentioned Trump's name, she apologized to Stephen Colbert. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to. That's what Pelosi said. And then Colbert came back and said, we'll have the videotapes fumigated. You know, these are not serious people. These are a bunch of petulant little children. It's why the country's in such bad shape. These people have the maturity level of a nine-year-old boy. I mean, think about it. You have the Speaker of the House, the most, one of the most powerful Democrats in America, one of the most powerful politicians in America, going on the late-night snore before a, you know, well, it used to be, you know, an audience of, of, you know, millions. Now, you know, it's an audience of, well, you know, it's basically what's sitting in the audience that are told when to clap and when to cheer and when to boo and so on and so forth. Have you, have you ever gone to one of these shows? I, I, I lived in L.A. a long time. I mean, this is how it works. I think I went to the Jay Leno show. Um, and, and I went to the Jay Leno show, and, you know, it's called the late night show, right? But they, it, it, they play it late at night, but it's actually taped during the day, early in the day, you know, late, late morning, early afternoon. And, 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 you know, it can go on for hours because they might have to do retakes. It's not live. It's not live. It's pre-recorded during the day and then played later in the evening in a studio. And so nothing about it is particularly real. It's just, it's, it's, it's a performance, but it's not even a good performance. It's not like stand-up, you know, where you got, you got one shot. And it's real and it's energetic. It's not energetic in these shows. You're kind of just sitting watching behind a wall as they... They do this thing. It's like being on any other kind of film set. It's the most bizarre thing. I mean, what, when you see the finished product, it seems lively and real. That's the magic of film. But when you're there, I mean, you're just a spectator of something that's quite dull, to be honest. And people come up and they hold signs and they tell you when to applaud. You know, it's like a laugh track. So so anyway, but, but, but my point is one of the most powerful politicians in America is going on TV and playing this game of, oh, we can't even say the former president's name. That's how mature we are. Yeah, yeah, we don't say his name. You know, it's like Voldemort. He who shall not be named. I mean, these are children. Children, all this talk about the adults are back in... Are the adults back in charge right now? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Democratic Party, there's not an adult among them. There's not an adult among them. Um, they're power hungry, they're irresponsible. Uh, they give in to their emotions way too easily. They're filled with hatred. They have no self-control whatsoever. And furthermore, their policies are destroying America. You know, I mean, look at, look at how irresponsible they spend our money. I mean, these are people who, who, who never grew up, who were never taught any skills, who were not... Look, in the private sector, these people, they could not succeed, most of them. They've spent their entire lives in government just getting a paycheck from the American taxpayer. They've never proven themselves. They've never been challenged except for in the, the political world. But even then, it's not particularly difficult. I mean, look, I mean, the midterms, you know, we're seeing professional politics, right? We're seeing people fighting, uh, you know, for these, these, these seats that aren't guarantees. But a lot of these people, I mean... They start, like Chuck Schumer, for example, or Nancy Pelosi out of San Francisco, right? I mean, she's never had to face a challenger. She just gets the vote every year because she's a Democrat. 
and she's running in a a, a district, or these senators are running in in you know states where, you know it's a it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, they could run in a a a you know well you wouldn't run a gas can you know they don't like gas but you know you 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 could you could put a salad out there and stick a sticker on it and say you know Billy the salad for Congress. And the, the voters would vote for that because it's a Democrat. So, you know, I mean, look, these people are getting us into World War III. Uh, they're destroying our oil and gas industry just because they want to and they want to control us. Um, I mean, they, they just don't have any reverence for the United States of America. They care nothing about unity. They care nothing about the health of this nation. It's just... I mean, it's like watching some kids sit outside with a magnifying glass, you know, when the sun is at its peak and they're just burning animals, burning ants with a magnifying glass and they're laughing and they're giddy about it. That's what these Democrats are. But of course, you know, they're running the country, telling us how to live our lives when they are incapable of running anything much less the country. But, you know, the, the Democrats are in really bad shape. I mean, think about Pelosi saying this, making this claim that they're going to hold on to the House and they're going to hold on to the Senate. They're going to expand their, their majorities. I mean, it just nonsense. But the latest concern for the Democrats are that gas prices have shot back up. Now, you know, look, the Biden administration is silent, of course, about this, right? Um, I mean, look, I mean, California, it's hard to, to, to explain because we have so many additional taxes. So what you're experiencing in the rest of the country, it, there's not really a comparison to what we have in California. They go up here uh, even far beyond what you experience everywhere else. You know, I mean, it's back up to $7 in places in California. I went to Philip today and it was back to 7 bucks, over 7 bucks a gallon. And it had been down and I think the low sixes. For a while, and now it's shot back up. But the national average, you know, uh, Joe Biden, you know, <clears throat> when he pillaged the the uh, strategic petroleum reserves, and you know, put that into the market, you know, gas prices did go down uh, to three sixty seven nationally. Now that's well above what they were uh, when Trump was in office. Okay, so, I mean, everything's worse under Joe Biden. But anyway, long story short, he was praising himself, right? First, he said, it's Putin's fault the gas prices are going up. And then when they came down a few cents, he claimed credit for that. Well, now they've gone back up to $3.80 a gallon nationally. That's the average. So so they're, they're, they're going back up. And, you know, where are you, Joe? You know, you single-handedly can, can bring down these gas prices. Let's see it, Joe. Where is it? I don't, you're silent now. How can they be going back up? You just told us how magnanimous, how, how wonderful you were, that you, you brought them down. And, and the reason this is a particular concern for Democrats is because, you know, gas price, of all the things we pay for, gas prices are the most in our face. Whether they go up or down, they're the most memorable. I mean, we see them when we drive down the street, on the billboards, outside the gas stations, right? It's advertised everywhere. We see it in our faces when we stick our credit cards in or debit cards in to pay for gas. We see the price at the pump, and we fill up multiple times a week. So we see this nearly daily. Uh, so we don't have, I mean, and, and it's it's... You know, a lot of times, you know, if you're going to the grocery store and paying for things, it's hard to pinpoint just what it is that's going up. You only understand generically that things are going up. But with gas prices, that's that's the only thing you're paying for. And you feel that, see that clearly. And so for many people, that's the indication that that, 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 that things are going awry. And the Democrats were hoping to point to lower gas prices as a positive economic indicator to Americans because nothing else is positive. So they wanted to superficially look at gas prices. And look, even that's a lie, right? Even if they pointed them going down, they're still higher than when Trump left office. But they wanted to use that because, look, let's face it, a lot of Americans are uh, low-information voters out there. They don't understand these things. They're gullible. 
And the, the Democrats understand that, and they were relying on that argument going into the midterms to at least lie to the American people, but give them something, you know, that, that, that had a, I don't even, I hate to even say that it had an element of truth. But, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. Look, gas prices are down. You know, the, the economy's improving under Joe Biden. The rest is going to come. Just wait, vote for us. Well, now they can't do that. And OPEC is now threatening to cut oil production. This, this is frightening to Joe Biden and the Democrats going into midterms. Now, why would OPEC cut production? Well, uh, one theory is that, A, well, the Saudis hate Joe Biden. He went over there not long ago, begged them to to increase output while he snubbed the crown prince, gave him a fist bump, right? So, you know, the Saudis would do anything to harm, harm America at this point. I mean, Joe Biden has attacked all those allies, even if they're not, quote unquote, good people. We don't live in a perfect world. We still need allies. We need to do things that are beneficial to Americans and around the world. And, you know, one of the things Trump did, you know, whether it was uh, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, whether it was China, look, we've got to get, we've got to find a way you don't have to love love these enemies here, right? But but you've got to keep them in line. It's a negotiation. And Joe Biden has severed all that. He's undone it all. So anyway, this oil price drop, right? So OPEC's going to threat is threatening to cut oil production, which is going to increase gas prices on the market, right? So if OPEC cuts production, the oil price is going to go back up. Well, the, the oil price drop has been hurting Russia, right? Putin needs higher gas prices to make up revenue, to fund the war. And this is one of the remarkable things about Joe Biden. Forget all these virtue signaling sanctions put in place to deter Putin, right? I mean, they haven't worked, right? He's still there. The invasion took place. We put sanctions. Europe's put sanctions. Has he left? Has he abandoned the war? No. No. And he needs this oil to fund the war. So look, here's the thing. If we wanted to end, if we ever did want to end the, 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 the war in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine, if we wanted to do this without... A shot fired. Biden could have simply unleashed American oil and natural gas production. We could have cut Russia out of the equation. We could have sold our oil and natural gas to the very nations that depend upon it in Europe. This would have destroyed Russia. That was the only quote unquote sanction needed to end all of this, to deter Putin, because without the oil and gas, their economy would crater and collapse. But instead, you know, we sanctioned this oligarch, we sanctioned this Russian, you know, we didn't allow them to do business here. It was all complex, convoluted. Russia had been preparing for this type of thing because we've done it before anyway, so they could insulate themselves from really being hurt to the point of having to abandon their war and what they were after. But if we had done one thing, well, one, if we had prevented, continued to say you can't build the Nord Stream 2, that would have given Russia additional leverage over Europe, which Trump did, and there was no war in Russia-Ukraine. Well, that was one thing. And the second thing was to replace Russia, to put our own oil and gas in the market. And so Russia had no source of income. But we didn't do that because uh, the Biden administration never had any intention of preventing this war from taking place. We'll get into some theories momentarily about what's going on with the sabotage of the pipeline and the sea, and if we're headed to, towards World War III. It's possible. It's possible. Look, the Saudis, they don't fear Joe Biden. They don't respect Joe Biden. You know, he wouldn't shake hands with the Saudi leader. And after that meeting in which he begged the, 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 the crown prince, 
you know, to increase oil production, to bring down gas prices. The crown prince told Joe Biden he was an idiot. He told him to go pound sand. And there was a lot of sand out there in Saudi Arabia. And this is the thing. Biden has been insulting those leaders, which Trump worked so hard to bring to the U.S. side, or at least had made great progress in doing so. You know, I mean, uh, North Korea is launching missiles again. This has been going on under the Biden administration. That did not happen under Trump. And why else does Saudi Arabia hate Joe Biden? Well, Iran is an enemy of Saudi Arabia. And Joe Biden has been working very hard to negotiate a deal to give them nuclear capacity, nuclear weapons. And there's little talk about this out there. It doesn't get reported on daily. But imagine a world in which Iran has nuclear weapons. What that means to the power struggle in the Middle East. What that means for Israel, Saudi Arabia. There's one other thing we have to worry about that we didn't have to worry about under Donald Trump. But, you know, those mean tweets were just so offensive. His uh, orange glow from his spray tan or whatever was just too much for people to, to handle. His defense of himself and the American people against the malicious attacks and lies from the left. Well, you know, that was too much. He shouldn't have been defending himself. He shouldn't have attacked those, those noble journalists and those noble Democrats who were calling him a racist, sexist, xenophobe who tried to impeach him and, and did impeach him over the phony quid pro quo, who tried to destroy his family, who put his allies and friends in prison, who initiated the Mueller investigation to Trump-Russia collusion, which was an invention of the left. Oh, yes, but, you know, Trump, he was such a mean guy. Mean guy. He should have treated those Democrats with greater respect. He should have treated those journalists who colluded with the Democratic Party to spread lies and hatred towards Donald Trump, who tried to undo the election of Donald Trump, you know, with their coup attempt. Oh, he should have been so much nicer to them. It's just terrible how Trump was mean and nasty to those Democrats because they were such good people. The media was so nice to Donald Trump. It was beneath him to defend himself and the American people. He should have just taken it. He should have quit. Anyway. Well, so, you know, the, 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 the more troubling news here. The left has announced their latest culture war. And they're enlisting, once again, predictably, the help of big tech to assist them. Now, recall how the left used big tech right, to censor truth when it came to COVID, right? You couldn't question the efficacy of the vaccines. You couldn't question any of it. You couldn't put facts out there. They, they flagged it as disinformation. They deleted your account. They kicked you off permanently. When it came to the Hunter Biden laptop story, right, same threats. Big tech and these, many of these organizations now exist to protect the left and to promote their agenda, well, now, of course, uh, this is not news, but it's, it's well, it, it is becoming the latest. The left is putting a lot of energy into this latest war to destroy our children. The left wants to mutilate them, right? They don't want parents to have any, uh, they want to eliminate parental consent. They want to cause great harm and encourage mental illness on our children by mutilating their genitalia, right? Choose your gender. Chop it off. The war to encourage your children, our children, to change their genders. And the American Medical Association, which is the American Mutilation Association, well, they're asking the Justice Department and tech companies to censor, deplatform, and silence anyone who draws attention to what they are doing. Have you ever seen such extensive corruption in America before? A bunch of frauds. The American Medical Association. Now they're... What is this? I mean, everyone's going to the Justice Department, the tech companies, and they're all begging them, shut the truth tellers down. 
Shut the conservatives down. Shut the parents down. Anybody who does not agree with and promote the left's sick, perverted, anti-American agenda, they have to be destroyed. This is what they do. This is how they do it. So the American Mutilation Association, they're upset because, well, what they're doing, what they've been doing is no longer a secret. It's like the teaching of critical race theory in our schools, the transgenderism that parents opposed. Well, they were doing that without parents knowing, but then it came out. We learned and we were outraged. And so sick the FBI on these parents. They're domestic terrorists. Well, that's what the American Mutilation Association is doing now. Which is so ironic, you know. These sick perverts, you know, that are, that are espousing this dangerous surgical mutilation, which they ironically call gender-affirming care. There is, it's not gender-affirming care. It is gender-denying care. So anyway, the Mutilation Association, as I said, they're upset because we know what they're up to. It's a known abomination now, and it's condemned by the American public at large. Well, they say this knowledge of what they're doing, the enlightened citizenry, well, you know, we're making it difficult for these mutilators to offer their mutilation experiments. They're saying the journalists who've been making these sick practices public, showing the videos, exposing them, well, these are coordinated attacks that threaten the federally protected rights to health care. Have you ever heard anything in, is, I mean, Healthcare today, right? Healthcare. Healthcare. Murdering uh, the unborn, you know, that's federally protected healthcare in their minds. Mutilating genitalia at the age of, you know, 13, that is a right. Federally protected right to healthcare. No, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not. But I do think that we need federally protected rights to mental health care for all of these mutilation association doctors, faux doctors. We need it for Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party. I think that our tax dollars would be well spent to provide mental health care for anyone on the left. Anyone with a Democratic Party registration, I support funding their mental health uh, services because these, these people need them. These people need them. Men can become women. Men can get pregnant. We should kill babies even after they come out of the womb if we don't want them because they're such an inconvenience. We'll get to uh, Whoopi Goldberg in a, in a minute. She calls them toxic, right? That's, that's a toxin inside you, that living human being growing inside you. But anyway, cutting off your penis isn't health care. I, I, look, I, it is what it is. We just have to talk. Cutting it off is not health care. You know, that used to be a punishment in the past. You know, you tied up your enemy and you, you, you neutered him. You castrated him. But now... In this new American dark age led by the Democratic Party, well, this is health care, right? So torture in the past is now health care. Man, the war, the war on all that is good and virtuous. Um, I mean, the left's war is, is against enlightenment. There's a war against men and a war against white people. And it's coming from all sides. Now, look, this might seem relatively pedestrian to many of you, but hear me out. So they're making a new Black Panther sequel. It's probably already in the can. They're editing it. But, you know, the Black Panther actor passed away. When was that? A couple years ago now, Chadwick Boseman. A phenomenal talent, by the way. God rest his soul. And God bless his family. And that was... uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I did. And so anyway, so now they're making a Black Panther sequel. The lead actor has tragically passed away. And so it looks like the new Black Panther is going to be a woman. I would uh, bet on it. 100 bucks. Boom. Black Panther is going to be a woman. Now they believe that they're going to, you know, use whatever technology they have to insert Chadwick Boseman's likeness in there. They're going to kill him off in some battle. And then uh, some chick's going to, you know, become the new Black Panther. And look, I'm fine with female superheroes. The first Wonder Woman was a fantastic movie. But, you know, it's Wonder Woman. It's not Wonder Man. But, you know, this is an effort to replace male leads, male heroes 
with women. And it's absurd. It's part of this leftist concerted effort to reimagine our roles in society, right? It's against human nature, against biology. It's against our God-given talents. They want to make women men and men women to encourage that. They want us to deny what our God-given talents are, our drives are, what's inside us spiritually, which makes us unique. Men and women are not the same. I am sorry. I'm sorry. They are not. And men can't become women, and women can't become men. And to preach that is, well, I call it blasphemy because I'm sounding like a preacher right now. But it's sick. It's sick, and it's a disservice to anyone. And you know what? The, the baddest woman alive is not as bad as the baddest man alive. That's true. The strongest female cannot physically overpower the strongest male. That is true. Men cannot give birth. And this is the thing. We are created in God's image, his likeness, to complement one another, to balance one another. Women are better at things than men and vice versa. You know, some people are good at math. Some people are good at writing. Some people are good at science. We all have unique talents. Telling someone who isn't good at math to become a mathematician isn't doing that person a service. You wouldn't tell a five foot, 10 pound high school student to dedicate his life to becoming a professional NFL player. Not going to happen. It's a waste of your time. Focus on what makes us unique. We all have something to offer. And it's not the same for each person. So I'm just tired of this. This effort to replace men in in movies, in in storylines, in society. Now, there's an effort also underway to replace whites. Right? Whites. We're the great evil. You know, even though, you know, it was a white man, Abraham Lincoln who emancipated the slaves. You know, it was a white man, Steve Jobs, who came up with the iPhone. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Let's, yeah, should we imagine a world without white people for a moment? What would that world look like? Hmm? Yeah. Good exercise, huh? So anyway, there's a war on whites in Chicago. And now, yes, there's already a war on blacks. You know, that's the crime-ridden, infested, uh, dead black children from gang violence courtesy of Democrat politicians. But no, no, no. Leftists want to eliminate whites from society. This is true. There is a group in Chicago called You Chicago United. This is a group at the University of Chicago, right? One of the great academic institutions in America. Well, they want to have discussions about race because why not? You know, we don't have enough discussions about race in this country. And so if you're white, you're not allowed to attend the meeting at the University of Chicago. So they want to have a conversation about race, but whites aren't allowed. Now, look, if this sounds radical to you, it is. But it is mainstream on the left. This is not shunned, this isn't fringe. This is par for the course. This is acceptable on the left, encouraged on the left. And that's the problem. You know, this is why I don't understand these kind of quote-unquote moderate Democrats today, especially older Democrats who still vote Democrat. Whatever party you thought you supported in the past, it is gone today. So find a new party. I don't care if you vote for freaking, you know, uh, right in a rock. Not Iraq, 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 like a, you know, a hard thing, Iraq. Write that in on the ballot. But how you support any of this is beyond me. I mean, I'm sorry, you cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat anymore. If you're a Christian, you vote Democrat. Sorry, sorry. That's the truth as well. A party which has an official platform that encourages abortion up to birth and even after. Yes, uh, that's a great Christian stance. Yes, yes, yes. Very Christian, these Democrats, that don't want whites to be permitted in their meetings. Oh, yes, that's the message of Christ himself. No whites allowed. That's right. That's right. Use the FBI to persecute your political opponents. Destroy their lives. Oh, that's, that's very Christian indeed. You Christian Democrats are um, honestly the most reprehensible a breed of voters out there. I I know this sounds harsh. I know this sounds harsh, but we have to speak the truth here. You are. You are. You're a fraud. You are a fraud. Because you actually are not a Christian. Your religion is politics. Your religion is the Democratic Party. 
You will supplant whatever so-called Christian beliefs you have with the beliefs of the left because you put your stock in the Democratic Party. And this is the thing, you know, when Democrats attack religion in America, right? They don't want the Ten Commandments up, you know, you're not allowed to pray, even privately, you know, on the football fields. Yeah, which, you know, Supreme Court said, to heck with you guys, you know. You can do that if you're a coach on the field, and people can join you if you want, players, whatever. But while they attack religion and Christianity, Judeo-Christian principles in particular, they promote their own religion. They promote their own um, uh, I mean, they, 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 I guess the point is that they cry separation of church and state, but they want to establish their own theocracy, and that is the religion of the left. So anyway, all right, back to the dark ages. Whoopi Goldberg, she says the unborn are toxic. No, that was... That was not a, that was, look, you know, somebody's going to try and attack me here. I'm, I'm not, dark age has nothing to do with Whoopi Goldberg being an, an African-American woman, okay? Her thoughts are representative of the dark age, all right? She says the unborn are toxic things women are forced to carry. This is the, this is the problem, you know? People who say, oh, women's right to choose and so on and so forth. You don't understand the depravity of the origin and the driving force behind this movement. You might seem like you're a moderate, rational person who's just women's rights, whatever. No, no, no. These people, these people want to dehumanize the unborn like they dehumanize Trump supporters. And it's the same. Murder the baby. Have no uh, feeling of remorse. So anyway, so addressing the Supreme Court justices who, who made the decision to constitutionally, uh, to uphold the Constitution and give states the right to set their own abortion laws, even though Democrats still believe that abortion is now outlawed in all 50 states because, you know, they're low-information voters who just want to get mad. They don't care if it's true. They don't care if it's a lie. They just want to get mad. So Goldberg said, not just black women or Asian women or Hispanic women, just women in general. You change the law without even saying, without even having the information of what that means for someone who has a a difficulty in the pregnancy that requires that they not keep this toxic thing. You know what the problem is with this argument, too? Um, You know, they want to make this subjective. So, look, the the, the left, in order to push their agenda of... uh, you know, taxpayer-funded abortion on demand up until birth, well, they want to subjectively uh, be able to say, you know, well, this is a difficult pregnancy, you know, um, this could be dangerous, so let's just kill it anyway. You know, that I'm this is where they'll go. You think they can't find a doctor out there that is a radical proponent of abortion? Just like you can't find a doc, like you can find a doctor who will write a prescription for you for, this is what will happen. But anyway, the point is, Look at how she refers to the unborn. It's not, it's not, look, I mean, look, I, I can, I can indulge in a conversation saying, look, maybe we should talk about, you know, we, we don't want to go too far. There are instances when we make, we need to make sure those rights are protected, right? If a woman's life is at risk in a difficult pregnancy that requires her to abort the unborn child within her, it, this is a tragic thing to do, but that th- would, f- would make that necessary. We should... We should make sure that we have cool heads and that we allow that to happen. But no, she calls it a toxic thing. She goes on to say, and you think because there's a heartbeat, you think there's a heartbeat. You're not thinking about, is the child viable? She said, does the child have a brain and hands and arms? Now, I want to tell you something right now. I have uh, always been pro-life. I've always believed in the... The obligation also to change hearts and minds about abortion. But I've also remained true to my constitutional principles, which is to say, you know, if if some state wants to have a different abortion law than another, okay. I condemn it, but, you know, just like you can't pass a law, I, I guess the point is, you know, you have to change hearts and minds. That's how you improve society. You have to heal people. You know, just because 
Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves, well, it didn't outlaw racism, right? It was still in people's hearts and the Democratic Party as it is today. But this, 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 this person, Goldberg, dehumanizing a baby, oh, you, there's a heartbeat? Well, uh, you know, it doesn't have a brain yet. Does it have hands? Does it have arms? I mean, look, I, my wife uh, is currently pregnant, and I am so thrilled. We are so excited and praying for the health of this child and just so grateful for this gift. And I went to the first, uh, you know, sonogram, and they did it at nine weeks. And there was a heartbeat. You could see the formation of the child. It looked like a baby. I went to another doctor's appointment with my wife just a couple weeks ago at 11 weeks, and the child was moving inside the womb. And seeing that and thinking about my gratitude, having seen with my own eyes the life within my own wife's womb, the miracle that is life from conception and the development up until birth, nine months of development to come into this world. What a gift. What a tremendous, unfathomable, incomprehensible thing that we're capable of doing in this world. And, and Whoopi Goldberg, she going to come in that room with me and stare at that image of my and my wife's cooking baby in her womb and tell me, you think there's a heartbeat? Well, does it have a brain yet? Does it have hands and arms? That's just toxins in your wife's body. Hey, Goldberg, I want to tell you something. You go straight to hell. You and your ilk who talk about the unborn like this go to hell. You know, this is the problem. These radical lunatics that dehumanize life like this. And if they can dehumanize life that easily when it's unborn, they can do it outside the womb too. And this is why you have a bunch of Democrats out there trying to murder Republicans who just recently murdered that young 18-year-old uh, man in North Dakota because they assumed and said that he was some kind of radical Trumpster. And that Democrat ran over him and killed him with her SUV. That's where this leads. This is my problem with where the abortion crowd is. Dehumanization. No reverence for life. And it continues after birth. All right, so let's finish with this. Do you think that um, the U.S. was responsible for sabotaging the Russia Nord Stream pipeline system? I mean, why, okay, why would Russia do it? They were using the pipeline, right, as leverage to freeze Europe into submission, right? Because their goal was to get sanctions lifted on them. Hmm. Did they do it to frame the U.S.? I mean, what's the, what's the upshot of that? Framing the U.S. I don't see much benefit in that. Now, much of the speculation about U.S. involvement, well, it originates from Biden saying that he would bring an end to Nord Stream 2 if Russia invaded Ukraine. Well, that was a long time ago. I don't put much stock in anything President Bonehead says. But I do put stock in what Secretary of State Antony Blinken said after the sabotage of the pipeline, the attack. He called it a tremendous opportunity to end European reliance on Russian energy. A tremendous opportunity. We've heard this before with COVID. A tremendous opportunity to transform America's economic system, to transform the globe. They use these crises to push their radical leftist agenda, a globalist agenda, in which a bunch of unelected bureaucrats truthfully rule over us plebeians, the citizenry. So Russia, you must remember, had already stopped pumping gas into Europe. Germany was likely, likely I say, poised to lift sanctions on Russia to avoid freezing this winter. Russia had them by the balls. Now Germany is the superpower of Europe. 
Ukraine would have lost a very important ally, well, so-called ally in Europe, the most influential one if Germany lifted sanctions on Russia. Do you think that Biden wants a bigger conflict with Russia? I mean, wouldn't World War III be an opportunity for the globalists and the elite, right? Give them the greatest conflict crises since COVID to demand more obedience, transformation, sacrifice of the American citizen to push through more of their agenda? It certainly would. But how else might the sabotage of this pipeline benefit the globalists? Well, wouldn't it also expedite this Green New Deal, right? The forced transition away from fossil fuels. If Europe can't get gas because the pipeline is destroyed, what are their options? Germany can't go to the table and say, we're going to lift sanctions to get oil, gas from Russia because they can't transport it anymore. This is devastating economies. This will bring a depression. You cannot operate without gas and oil. Manufacturing stops. Prices of everything soar. The men and women behind the curtain, whether we're talking about the World Economic Forum, the Democratic Party, Trudeau, all these people who are like-minded and their desire to fundamentally transform a republic like America into a tyranny. What won't they do to achieve that? COVID, they used to transform us, and now they need another crisis. Global warming, they're using to do that. Man-made global warming. They are forcing us, whether we like it or not, to go to uh, electric vehicles. All right. Well, anyway, so so Russia, by the way, they were reportedly transporting nuclear weapons to the front lines of Ukraine. Uh, do you think Putin will use them or not? We don't know. I don't want to find out. But Putin says he's not 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 bluffing. He's not bluffing. I mean, I, I all I can tell you is that 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 as long as the Democratic Party is in charge, things are going to spiral further out of control. You know, there's something interesting. I keep hearing the media, even people on the right, mainstream, you know, Fox, whatever it is, others, they, 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 they are accepting the talking point of the Biden administration that we're not in a recession. I hear this all the time. You know, we will probably will expect to be in a recession two months from now. Three, we're in a recession now. Joe Biden simply just denied it, said we changed the definition, but we won't tell you what the definition is. So we're not in a recession. We're in a recession I, I cannot believe that people on our side are adopting this talking point just because the leftist media adopted it. We cannot do this. All right, let's finish with this. Midterms. Great black flight. It's happening. Blacks are leaving the Democratic Party. This started under Trump. Now CNN is admitting it. And this could cost the Democrats the Senate. Their polls at CNN, are saying 74% support of the Democratic Party from blacks. 74%. Now look, uh, blacks in America are the most loyal constituency in America. It's been that way since Herbert Hoover, the Republican who entered office and then three months later in 1929, in October I believe it was, you know, we entered the Great Depression. And then the, the, trend, the shift started to happen, right? You had four consecutive terms of FDR. You had Truman come in after FDR died and finish his term. Then you got Ike Eisenhower in there. And then we got, um, we got uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, right? But anyway, the point is, not since 1964, before 2020, okay, no Republican president had gotten more than 15% of the black vote, and Trump got about 20%. Uh, 
So my point is, if their polls are saying 74% of, of blacks are supporting Democrats now, that's significant. Biden's approval rating is now 64% with blacks. That's down from 87% when he came into office. And this has been true. The, the Democrats learned this uh, in the 50s and 60s. They have feared as they've called it, black rebellion, right? Leaving the Democrat plantation because, look, blacks historically found political power in voting in bloc, and they had much reason to do so because blacks all had one thing in common. They were being discriminated against. And they were desperate for some political party to come in and pass civil rights legislation. So that's why they started voting in a bloc. That's why they are unique in terms of a so-called constituency. And what Democrats realized early on was that, you know, look, blacks were concentrated and are concentrated in these densely populated cities. Atlanta, for example, right, where Raphael Warnick, the Democrat, has taken on Herschel Walker for the Senate seat. Dr. Oz and John Fetterman in uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, right, these big cities. And so they understand that even a small drop in the percentage of support from blacks for a Democratic Party candidate spells, well, it can mean the difference between victory or defeat, so this is, this is really alarming to them. And, you know, I mean, this is, I think, also why you're seeing this, this massive invasion that is being uh, overseen, welcomed by the Democratic Party uh, with these illegal immigrants into the country. They are not loyal to... Look, blacks have been loyal to the Democratic Party, but the, the Democratic Party, Party is not loyal to blacks. Blacks have suffered immensely because of Democratic Party policies. But, you know, they pulled the wool all over everyone's eyes. Lyndon B. Johnson passed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which was Kennedy's, John F. Kennedy's bill. And then they just claim, okay, well, we opposed civil rights our entire history, but now you got one bill, so shut up. Republicans are racist, and, uh, you know, we're the party of blacks. Never happened, folks. Fake news. So anyway, I mean, that's what this illegal immigration is about, right? That's why they don't want voter ID laws. You know, they're ready to swap. They're ready to say, ah, screw the blacks. Until they don't need the blacks, right? Right now they need the black vote, so they, they, they pander. But if they can get 5 million, 10 million illegals to replace blacks, well, they'll discard them. That's how this works, folks. All right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you all, and until next time.